Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Off Script with Pastor Jared and joined in the studio today by our pastoral team, our new pastoral team at Kirby Woods Baptist Church, starting from my left, your right, ladies and gentlemen, first, oh, Caleb Richardson <laughs> and Dylan Patrick. All right, good to have a full uh, studio here. Everybody's having a good time. We're all laughing. I just caught them in a big joke before we started the episode, so they're all smiling, um, <laughs> having good times. So... Today, we're going to talk about guiding the church through the newest emphasis that we're leading them into, which is who's your one? Who's your one? Um, so we, we had been talking about this for a couple weeks and then decided two weeks ago to go ahead and release it as an emphasis to you, the church body. And uh, if you're not a part of Kirby Woods and you are a listener, like Dylan was uh, that's right. Slopping, um, slinging some ranch, ranch at dressing Hueys. <laughs> yet he was a faithful listener. Um, you are obviously invited to participate, even if your church isn't participating. Nothing about this uh, has to be, you know, top down from your church to participate. This could be at an individual level. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not a Kirby member, or if you're one of our missionaries, or if you are um, another, at another church, uh, you can feel free to participate in this emphasis with us. So, who's your one? At the core is uh, the world has a lot of problems. There's a lot of lost people out there, a lot of bad news, a lot of politics, a lot of things that could get you caught up, a lot of things that could get your mind um, just all over the place. And I don't know if you guys are like this, but you ever get to a point in life where there's so much going on that you do nothing? Yes. You're like... Yes. That's that's you, Caleb. Yeah, okay, absolutely. You ever do that, Dylan? Sometimes I, I try to keep myself busy. You know, kind of maybe more the distracted route of if I don't think about these things, I can things I can control. You know, it's okay. also kind of a control thing. So I think the heart of where this emphasis came from um, is, is that it's so easy to be like, man, the world is lost. Everybody around me, like we're the, baptism numbers are down. Uh, salvations are down, the SBC is in decline, to get so caught up in the negative that you're just like, I'm not going to do anything because I don't know what to do. So this is to say, let's instead have a mindset of let's just focus on one thing that we can do, which I think is true when you're cleaning your house. I mean, this is a mindset like, my house is so dirty that I can't do anything. Okay, what if I just clean this room? You know, it's that, that's the mindset of this. So it's to say, let's just focus on one lost, unbelieving person in our lives. Let's find one and focus on one intensely for a period of time. Pray for that person, speak to that person, invite that person, go all in on one person, uh, and, and just see what God will do. Just see what God will do with that kind of a mindset. Let's focus, all right? So what's the emphasis? We'll go over the emphasis, and then this is not really the point of the episode. The episode is something else, but the emphasis itself is that you're going to pick one lost person in your life that lives locally. So no cop-outs of, uh, I'm going to Zoom with them, or it's my, uh, my friend who lives on the other side of the world. I, for, this, for this, we're asking it to be someone who is actually in striking distance here in the Mid-South area. So one person whom you will commit to three things. Three things, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, you will commit to pray for them regularly. We'll define regularly as a few times a week. All right, a few times a week. Um, if not every day, then every other day, that you're going to commit to pray for this person's salvation and to pray for them in their life. 
Number two, you're going to commit to have regular conversations with them. You're going to talk to them, and you are going to commit to introduce the gospel or at least spiritual elements into that conversation. That's number two. You commit. And then number three, you are going to commit to at least invite them to church at least one time, and if all else fails, you will go all out for Easter Sunday. Okay? Your thoughts on the just the, just, just the um, emphasis itself? Any pros, cons, any concerns you have? You feel like it's a good, good idea? Yes. Good. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I do think it's a good idea, um, just because it, it helps you focus on, a lot of times I think, and some of you may out there feel this way, and I know I, I might be jumping ahead here, but like maybe you don't think you have lost people in your sphere of influence. Maybe it's, hey, I'm a Christian in the church. I surround myself with Christians. What does that look like? You know. And so I think it helps us as believers think a little deeper into our relationships with people and also pray bold prayers, that we're praying that the Lord will bring salvation to this certain person. It also stretches you a little bit, you know, uh, Sharing the gospel can be nerve-wracking sometimes with the people you know, but also I think it's a great emphasis on just who is your one, this is the obtainable thing, and how can I give them the greatest news of all, which is Jesus. It's also very doable. It's one person. It's not, you know, you got to find ten people. It's right. not anything like that. And, you know, if, if everyone in the church brings one person or every family brings, you know, one family— we'd have you know, a huge service, or every church would have a huge service, which yeah. would be great, and we could speak the gospel to all of them and, and mm-hmm. really make a difference. But you know, just finding that one person seems so much more doable than, you know, hey, go find all of your friends, everybody who's lost, go find them and bring to the church. Yeah, I mean, take, a, take something as big as, let's reach Memphis for Christ. Like, that's a pretty massive goal, yeah. and uh, yeah. would, would require a lot. Everybody would say amen and want that to happen. I mean, you get, you get a room going you're real quick with that kind of a, of a mindset. But then you start working into practicalities of how do you actually reach Memphis? I mean, that's a huge thing. Then you just start th- saying things like, well, how do, we, how do we see our church have tangible growth from salvations, which is what everybody wants? You know, we get way more excited about salvation growth than transfer growth, right? Yeah. So right. if you say, well, how does that happen? Well, anytime you boil it down, all this emphasis is doing is taking you to the core of what we're supposed to be doing and just laying it bare as the basic. Like, this is the most basic thing that we have to do. Um, and, and I am one of those people that gets caught up in, like, okay, I'm a preacher. My goal is to minister to as many people you know, as possible. You know, I, I want, I, I'm responsible, first of all, for my between two and 300 folks at Kirby Woods that mm-hmm. God's put under my direct care. But I also want as many people in Memphis to come hear the gospel as can, as can be. Um, and in that mindset, you can lose the fact that it's one by one, that it's individual. Mm-hmm. That there are one, one, one person at a time is how you accomplish the, the reach Memphis for Christ goal. So, all right. We're... Obviously, this is going to be a theme for us between now and Easter. We're going to push on this between now and Easter. So I encourage all you guys out there, be thinking about who this one is, who this person is, who you're going to be giving the, the bulk of your evangelistic uh, goals and, and push. So the heart of this episode is actually what to do if, if a problem arises. And you, you foreshadowed it, Dylan, 
um, stole, we'll say not stole thunder, but um, <laughs> what will you, what do you do? So I think there's t- probably two responses that people have when you start pushing them on evangelism. Usually number one is fear. Yep. Um, and we addressed that when I pushed this was on the be bold and be strong and courageous sermon from Joshua one nine. Um, what we want to address is the other concern. So if it's not fear, if it's not like I know a lost person, I'm just afraid to talk to him. That's where a lot of people are, right? Yeah. I, I know a lost person. I'm yep. just I'm scared. I'm scared what'll happen. I'm scared it'll make our friendship weird. Or I don't I'm know scared. what to say. I don't know what I'm I'm ill equipped to handle it. Yeah. So that's option one. What's what happens though is often there's an option two that goes underreported in church. And that is what I will call the all dressed up with nowhere to go syndrome. Okay, all dressed up. Y'all ever heard that phrase? No. I'm all dressed up with nowhere to go. I think you just made that phrase. Up. <laughs> That's like a lot of things I think Jared says. No, but I, I don't know he's if everybody's got, heard of them, but he's are, got a bank up in his mind. He's got terms for everything. He makes them all up. This is gold, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all dressed up with nowhere to go means uh, I've all, I have all this preparation. I go to church all the time. I'm I'm actually pretty equipped. I know my Bible. I sit in Sunday school. I've sat through evangelism trainings. I know the three circles. I know evangelism explosion. I know the Roman road. I know all these things. I got my evangel cube. I got the cube in my back pocket. I got the paper cube. I got the, the actual cube. Um, Watch your fingers on the actual <laughs> cube. Oh, man. <laughs> You've been pinched one, yeah. one too many times. Yeah. Um, I've got it all, but I am so insulated as a Christian in Christian bubble that I don't actually know any lost people. I don't actually have any lost people in my life that I have some degree of relational capital to use on a deep conversation. Um, I would say there's a lot of Christians that are there. Agree? Disagree? Why? I agree that they would put themselves there, but I don't know if they're actually there. We come in contact with so many people throughout all of our life. I mean, and and I've, I've been guilty to think that as well, where I just think, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor, right? That's what I do. I'm literally always at church or always at home. I don't have anybody. But then I got to thinking mm-hmm. about it, like, I go take my daughter to swim class. I take my daughter to dance class. I, you know, just go to the store. And there are all mm-hmm. kinds of times that I come in contact with people who don't know Christ or may not know Christ that I could at least, you know, start thinking about, praying about being yeah. the person for this, this task. So it may be worse. It may not be as bad as you think it is. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. There may be like a veneer over the top where you say, "I don't. Oh, I don't have any lost friends, or I don't know anybody." It may and, be that you just don't feel comfortable talking about that to lost people. Mm-hmm. You know, where you know, I, I would feel confident talking to my friends about that, but I don't have any friends that aren't saved. Well, who do you know that's not saved? You know, who are the people in your life that you you know you need to kind of be uncomfortable a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you're in that in this spot, yeah, and I think it also helps you. You, we have to be honest with ourselves too that there's so, there may be some people in our spheres that we think are Christians, but their lives in no way reflect it. You know, right? We yeah. like we don't know truly don't the people. we don't truly know the heart of man. Jesus only knows that, you know. But there's often He gives us fruits of the Spirit, this fruit that we can see, and maybe you have to come to the realization of, hey, maybe Joe is not who I think he is, or maybe he's just putting on this show, you know, and I think it just helps. You got to take a deeper dive into thinking that, but also there's a, there's a cool evangelism tool that I learned. It's called the Oikos map. 
So what you do is you, you put a circle, you write your name in the center of it, then you think of five friends, five people in your sphere of influence. And then it, it, it gets you thinking about, hey, who are these people? All right, maybe I have a good relationship with them. I know they're all believers. Now you think of people that they have influence on. And it, it can show you the rampant of how discipleship can work as well. Of If you're reaching these people, these people have this reach. You know? and so you yeah. can see it's multifaceted. And it just helps you, I think, a lot of times, to Caleb's point, we just don't realize, like, okay, I do encounter lost people all the time. I'm just not in that mindset of an evangelistic yeah. style. So what I'm hearing, and I agree, is that uh, one of our one of the reasons why we are less effective evangelistically is that we don't think strategically mm-hmm. at all. That we we kind of just are on autopilot in our life. Um, one one question that we we asked when we did went through church planting in, in Colorado, when we would ask our church members was. Um, if you were magically and suddenly found yourself paid by the IMB as a missionary, but Ooh. to live exactly where you are in the way that you are, and you were fully funded, what would you do differently in your life? What would you change about your rhythms and routine if you were all of a sudden made a missionary, but live in your same house, go to your same school, do your same job, and do all the things that you normally did? What would you do differently? It's interesting you brought that up, because when you were talking about just finding friends and, and working through that, and just kind of the idea behind all of who's your one, praying and, and ministering to them, it, it reminded me of how people in, that are missionaries go about doing that. Like, I've got some friends in Argentina that that's what they do. Their their whole task is just to meet people and become their friend, and then slowly work up yeah. um, the who's relationship. one is their right, daily life. Right, that's their yeah. daily life. And so I think that this is just kind of putting... Um, that idea into the the world of America and you know Memphis specifically because we often forget that you know we forget that we're supposed to be on mission everywhere not just in foreign countries right so. and that's one of the things too when people come back from a, from a mission trip I've I've hosted and met a lot of people that have gone on trips and come back and give a report and almost without fail someone says. What, that they had a realization over there that there was nothing they were doing there that they couldn't be doing here, almost without fail. You hear people say that. You get that, and then the we live way better, and we have <laughs> right. way I'm so too grateful. much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I also, I, I, uh, when I got back, I kissed the ground and sang Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. <laughs> you hear that sometimes, too, depending on where they went, depending on where they went. Yep. I felt that. You just oh. want to hug the customs agent. Um, or you want to hug a well-working toilet. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. The squatty potties is a rough life. Yeah. Those those Asian toilets are different, man. You've been to either Africa or South Asia or somewhere. Yep. So um, I want to just throw a couple things your your way if you're out there, and this is you. And this is, let's shift here, is practical helps. If someone out there is in this and saying, I really don't know that I have lost people in my life, they're... Whether that's true or not, to your point, Caleb, whether that's true or not, that uh, maybe they do and they don't know it, or maybe they truly are insulated and they have lived their life in such a way that they have distanced themselves from all unbelievers and they need to break back into that for, for this challenge. Um, I want to I just give one practical tip from my side, and then I'll throw it to you guys if you have any, but um, you kind of started here. What, what are some things that I'm already doing? Let, let me think through, what are some things that I already do right now without adding a single extra thing to my life that can just be turned for some gospel strategy? So um, if there's something that I do 
that already has the building of community and I don't have to build it, that's like A++++. Let's do that right now. Um, if there's something that I'm doing by myself that is that if I just invited some other people or opened it up and they would come to it, that's like B plus. That's really good. It's going to require a little bit of work from you. So some, some examples of that would be like, um, am, am, I, am I already riding my bike, for example? Okay. Now, I, I don't do it anymore. I used to. My bike is seen better days. Um, <laughs> but let's say you're a person who gets a lot out of hitting, hitting the bike trails or, or hitting you know, the green what do we call it here? Green again? line. The green line, yeah. uh, Wolf River, Shelby Farms. Um, so if you do that, we're already right now by yourself. There are two things I can think. Number one, is there already a group of, of people that are doing this and meeting up that I can join them? And if so, do that. And now you're doing the thing you were already doing with people. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if the answer is no, which that one's not no, there are people that do that. But if the answer is no, think, could I be the guy that starts the bikers group that goes through the green line and, and all I do got to do is just invite people to it. So that's, you can do that with anything, um, to the gym. Am I, are you already working out? All right. It, none of us are, are already working out. I can tell by looking at us. <laughs> I work out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if I'm already working out, are there, can I take someone with me? Can I go, can I meet with guys that are already working out? Um, if I'm, Doing, you know, if I have to take my kids to this thing, football practice or dance recital or piano or whatever the thing is, is there something I can do to connect with people that are already there and create um, a community? Put your phone down. Um, Might so be a big one. That's a great tip. <laughs> that's actually a great tip. Hold that one um, for later. <laughs> but so basically it just asked a question, can, how can I leverage the things that I'm already doing and turn them to make them into a community of people. And then once you have that community of people, now you're the missionary in the community of people, if you think of it that way. And then you pick someone who maybe, you know, um, some missionaries use red light, yellow light, green light mm -hmm. to talk about how, the, how far someone, red light person is like, they are antagonistic and it's going to be a long-term battle with them for the gospel. They don't even want to talk about it. Yep. Walls go up. Yellow, they're, they're, they're cautious. You got you to gotta massage it a little bit. You got to be there. You know, green light is like wide open. They're, you start talking about it and they're interested. So for who's your one, maybe you're looking for the, for the yellow and greens, um, so that's one thing that you can do. Um, anything you guys would think of is like, this is, think about this if you're in that situation. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I see this a lot with, you know, today's world is that anytime I go out to lunch or anything with people, immediately everybody's on their phone. They're all hunched over the table. They're all sitting in a circle. They're all on their phones. And I, I don't, I don't like that. Like I just, I, I'm out with y'all. I want to talk with y'all. I don't want to, you know, message you at the same table. And I think that we lose a lot of, you know, interaction with people around us just because their phones are out. Yeah. Uh, so but putting your phone down or just you know leaving in your pocket or whatever, uh, if somebody needs you, you can answer no, the that's phone. That's a huge thing. But just be where you're at. And I would say to build on that. Now that I'm thinking, is be a generally chatty person. Yeah. Or, or inquisitive person. We're in the South. That's normal. Yeah. If you, if you see somebody, don't be afraid to, like, small talk. Sometimes it just ends at small talk. Hey, man, how you doing today? Or, um, you know, hey, man, crazy weather we got going on. Or did you see the game last night? 
um, ask, hey, do, do you like working here? You know, how, how long have you been working here? Be a general, a generally chatty person. And sometimes God takes that conversation and they actually talk back to you. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's nothing. And oh. it's just that guy didn't want to talk. Okay. Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, good, man. Yeah. Saw the game. Yeah. Grizzlies won. Okay. okay. Sometimes it goes nowhere. And that was it. But sometimes, sometimes they were they were hurt last night and they were and they are looking to, for somebody to talk to and they just don't know it. So sometimes it opens. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. And I think uh just you know, when people ask how you're doing, you know, it's cheesy, it's a Dave Ramsey thing, but he always says better than I deserve. And I've often found like when you say that or you know, I can't complain, but it wouldn't do me good if I did. Like, those little things, like, it starts a conversation of, like, okay, why are you saying these things, you know? Yeah. Um, working in, like, the restaurant industry and even at ice cream shop, like, I encountered people a lot more at the ice cream shop. And, you know, I got to have little conversations of just little snippets of inserting the gospel. Of, like, it's it's a good day the Lord's given me breath in my lungs. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's just starting simple. I think oftentimes you overcomplicate it, that fear aspect, as well of... And I don't know what to say. Say what Jesus has done for you. You know, that that's the easiest, simple. And if you don't know, be honest with yourself. Be honest with them. Say, hey, like, I'd love to come back and talk to you about this. Yeah. Yeah, one of the ladies who sits in the front office for us said that to me one day, and I'd never heard it. And it, it took me off guard. Like, I, we had a <laughs> we had a long conversation after that because it just, I was not expecting what, that What did she say? All. She said, better than I deserve. Oh. It's like... <laughs> Ah, no, you're not supposed to say it. You're supposed to say, I'm doing good, and then that's it. And then we walk past each other. And then yeah. we said we talked for like 10 minutes well, after that's that. Proof. That proves the point, that right. sometimes having different responses to mm-hmm. things people are expecting you to say will prompt a conversation. So that's a really good point. Um, when we were in Colorado, we created a little acrostic, the um, serve, S-E-R-V-E, and just memorized it as a way to always have this in the front of our mind. And uh, it's super simple. Uh, there's really not uh, any depth to it that's like, whoa, that's revolutionary. Um, so basically, if you were trying to get into this, um, number one, you would S, I'm working through the acrostic, S-E-R-V, seek new relationships. So always be looking. Mm-hmm. It's, and that, this is as simple as if you don't look for something, you probably won't see it. Um, if I told you to look for the red car outside, you know, all of a sudden you'll see every red car on the road. But if you weren't looking, you wouldn't see it. Or you know? it's like when your mom tells you to go get the ketchup bottle, you go look, and then she goes and finds it. You get in trouble. It's like the socks. Mom can always find the socks. <laughs> yeah, my mom called that boy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we and, and with this one, we created the concept. We kind of been talking around it, but the concept of the third space or maybe the fishing hole. You could use either one. Um, you know, most people, most Christians go between their um, their their handful of spaces, which which would be like church, uh, job, and home. You know, so they kind of they have they live in these very we and we bounce back and forth between those. I wonder if most Christians consider church their third space. Right. Go find you a fourth right. space. Right. <laughs> so what the what the challenge would be is to is to say we all need one more thing that we do that's an opportunity to rub shoulders with lost people. It's not church. No. It's and not church. It, that's church is where believers come and if that's if your third space is church, then you'll always find yourself in this exact problem. The way that it was described to me is in in you know different sitcoms like Friends or whatever 
they, they're either at home, at work, or they're at the coffee shop, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that, that was their third space, and they would meet people and run into people and, and have conversations there. Yes. And so having a spot like that for, for you is, is important. That one other place where you are a regular. Right. So, you know, in the words of Cheers, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Neither one of you guys knew what I was talking about. No. Isaac, did you get that joke? No. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Nothing? Nobody? I've I, seen I, the get, show. I get your I've Seinfeld show, references. <laughs> I don't get that one, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm an old man at heart, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, so that's seek new relationships, have a third space, a place. Maybe it's the Starbucks that you go to over and over again, oh, and you, or the Kroger you go to over and over again. And you realize, man, if I'm gonna I'm gonna be here once a week, I might as well say hi to the barista. I might as well say hi mm-hmm. to the the checkout uh, cashier. Uh, if I'm gonna see him all the time, might as well say, hey, I come here all the time. My name is Jared. What's up? How you doing? Good to meet you. You work here? Okay, we'll be seeing each other a lot. I live in the neighborhood. You know that that kind of thing does build, and then all of a sudden, you know, like the lady over at uh, Central, you know, knows that I'm the pastor. The the whoever gives the to go orders. I order a to-go from Central a lot, and so she knows my name. She knows I'm the pastor of Kirby Woods, and uh, that's a starter. That's just where Mm -hmm. you start, you know? Um, So that's seek new relationships. Number E, uh, number Number uh, letter E, engage in real conversation. This is what we talked about. Um, Try to move the conversation past casual to where you're getting into their life. It goes a little bit beyond the weather or the sports, Um, you know, the... That, that deeper level of how they're actually doing. How are you doing? No, but really, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. That's E. R is request to pray for them. So when you talked about, Dylan, kind of breaking into the spiritual conversation with them, what we found was the faster you get here, the easier it is. If you delay the spiritual for weeks and months and year, it's actually really uncomfortable to break into it later. Mm-hmm. The earlier you go, you make it make it known that you are a spiritual person, and then that God is important to you, and that the gospel is something that you talk about casually. It's more comfortable. So the way we found that was this was in Colorado, where it was kind of an uncomfortable non church culture. The way we found that the the easiest way to break that bubble was to ask, "How can I pray for you?" That was not threatening to people. They found that to be a compliment that you cared for them, and everybody that, wants prayer. And they and they want yeah exactly. Who who's going to turn down prayer? I mean, they may, but they won't be mad about it. No, if they if they some people will say no thanks, I don't do that. But the number of people that do that in the South is going to be extremely small. Who say I don't pray? Don't and don't you even pray for me? Oh, you're a pastor. Don't even pray for me. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like those that's people so need rare. more prayer. Yeah, that's so rare. Most people are gonna. It's going to take them aback at first, but if they haven't been asked, and they'll think, and then they'll give you something. And uh, bonus points if you pray for them right then in the moment. You can always commit to pray for them later, but I would say it's going to be powerful to them if you say, all right, let's do that right now. That was something the worship pastor at my last church did. He would always ask our, our waitress or, or, or waiter as we're ordering, hey, how can we pray for you? And then we would pray, you know, during as we pray for the meal, we would pray for that person. And, and one way to really amp it up to the next level is if the next time you come back to see them again, you you bring up the thing that you prayed for them and say, hey, I've been praying for dot, dot, dot. Is there any updates on that? How's that been going? Or, you know, they will then, they know you care for them because you've been praying for them over a period of a week or so. Yeah. Um, to really move it to that next level, we added V, volunteer your time for them. 
So do something for them. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, um, if you find that they have a need in their life, meet that need. If they're moving, you're there. You do the move. You go and you bring your pickup truck. Or if they say, man, I just can't get anybody. I, I, I'm really struggling in this area. You, you, and you can connect them to a help. That's the next level. You've, now you're in their life as a person who's helping them. Mm-hmm. And then E uh, is expressed how Christ has saved you. So that's the last most important stage where it's all going. But ultimately, what you want to get to is the gospel. So um, we use serve, and it, it was pretty helpful for us. Uh, look, Always be seeking new relationships. Engage people in conversations past the casual. Our request to pray for them, break into the spiritual. Um, v, volunteer your time, do something tangible for them that they didn't expect that you actually would care enough to do. And then E, express how Christ has saved you to the gospel. So um, what do you guys think? Any, think that's pretty decent? No, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, to your point, like if you do remember and bring up the little things that people tell you, when you say it back to them, they'll be like, man, you actually remembered that? That, yeah. that takes it a step further. I, just their name. Even remembering their name, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. it just goes a long way. Oh, you hit them with that, hey, bud, hey, sport. Like, <laughs> that does not go <laughs> go over well, typically, um, <laughs> you know. Or so, even, hey, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that does go a long way. And um, so I, if you guys can think if you have any closing um, tips to throw out, but my last my last um, diagnostic question that I that I like to think of is um, if I had to if I had to invite an unbeliever to Starbucks or a coffee shop of choice, who would be the person that it would not be weird if I invited them? All right, and, and what I found is if 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 the answer is nobody, you need some work. That's where. That's how you know you need some work. If you can't think of one unbeliever in your life who you would say it would not, it would not be the so out of left field if I called them, because you know there's somebody if you if you call them and say want to get uh, want to go grab coffee with me they're like dude I don't know you like that what on earth are you talking about no so the but goal <laughs> the goal I mean you could do it but yeah. but the goal is that person that that is not weird at all it would be natural and that they would accept. Um, you want unbelievers in your life at that capacity because those are likely, look, you can share the gospel with anybody. You can cold, you can go cold sharing the gospel, street preaching, bumping into people. Hey, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Like you can absolutely do that. And I will never tell people not to do that. I'm just trying to be realistic and say that realistically, your greater chance of long-term success where someone is saved, baptized, folded into your church is going to come through some degree of a relationship. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying you must have a relationship to preach the gospel. You don't. But realistically, over time, that's going to be the thing that yields fruit in your life over and over and over, is building those relationships with people. So it, it, y'all listening out there in uh, radio land, if you, I want you to ask, do I have a person who I could call up who's not a believer, ask them to go to Starbucks and get a quick coffee with me, and it would not be super weird. If the answer is no, I don't have that, work on that. That's your challenge. Don't get down. Don't think, oh, man, oh, man I stink. Oh, no, just go work on it. That's what you're building towards. Now mm-hmm. get into serve. Uh, start looking for those relationships. Ask yourself about your third space. Do I have a third, fourth space? Or am I just bouncing between home, church, 
and work. Bounce, 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 bounce. Or, you know, am I out and my phone's up all the time? Am I, chat, am I chatty out in public? Um, when I get home, do I immediately throw the garage door behind me and am I living in a fortress or do I talk to my neighbors? Do I know my neighbors? I mean, anything like that. Uh, those are just some tips from me. Anything else you guys would add as we close? No, I, I love that you hit the neighbor aspect because I yep. think we often miss that a lot too of as simple as just saying hi at the mailbox. You know, uh, for those of you out there, the Truman Show, you know, yeah. hey, how you doing? In case you don't see it. Yeah, you know, he says good morning, good evening, <laughs> good, good night, night in case I don't see it, you know, and that goes a long way because we do want to be as believers, staples in our community of they can come to. How can we serve you, you know? Um, you, you think back to the, you watch the old time movies of like people used to go and knock on doors for salt and milk. <laughs> yeah. Can't catch anybody doing that now. Pass sugar through the window. Yeah, the house yeah. is close enough. Yeah, you know, like I think we often miss. I'm not that. going to the grocery store anymore. <laughs> I'm going to my neighbors. <laughs> well, depending on whether you may have to go to the grocery. Store. <laughs> that was back when groceries were cheap. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You may have to pay up a little front now. <laughs> um, you know, but I think we miss that being that staple because oftentimes. You know, people typically know you at work or at church, or something like that. But your neighborhood, like, what would it be like if you got the whole cul-de-sac, if you live in a cul-de-sac, like, coming to that church just because you said, hey, how are well, you? to go to your Oikos map concept, what if you um, literally did the map of your neighborhood, exactly. your Oikos yeah. neighborhood? If you sat down, this is probably, um, this may be, you know, advanced or, or a little bit beyond who's your one, but I would say a goal for us should be one day to sit down and print out a, a map of our our street and say, my neighbor to my left, to my right, across, diagonal, and behind, I know their names. And you're working towards that goal. Now, that's not everybody's going to want that, but don't, don't – we talk ourselves out of stuff before we even try something. Mm-hmm. We already think about, oh, they probably don't want to do that. Uh, they're probably mad. They don't want to be my friend. Voices uh, every know. time. <laughs> we already will – I do because I do it. I, I will talk myself out of something before I've even tried it. And be like, ah, they probably don't want this, you know. And and but turns out they did, you know. So mm-hmm. don't talk yourself out of stuff before you even get into it. So that's a literal Oikos map that we could think about one yeah. day is just plotting out. Could I name my five or six neighbors and uh, you know maybe track, you know, if we've had a gospel conversation, how, how did it go and what's what's next? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of things that have come up in my mind, just talking through this with like, you know, God calls us to be in the world, but not of the world, uh, or how Jesus talked about how it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick, and, you know, they're not at the church, they're out in the world. Yeah, so. and we can't just expect everybody to show up at Kirby Woods. No, to, they're that's not how Memphis is going to be saved. Like, I want them to, and that's why the last, that's why the last challenge of this is invite them on Easter Sunday. I know that they're going to hear the gospel at Kirby Woods. Yeah. If not, then... You know, y'all need to find a way to get me uh, removed. But you know, that's I, I, I. That's why I invite people to my church. Is uh, you know, I, I could invite them to another church if I felt confident about that church. But I know they're going to hear the gospel at Kirby, and I want them to come. And I know that we're going to do our best to walk with them through discipleship. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's why I want you to invite your one to Kirby, as I feel good about it. Um, but ultimately, you you. It's more important that you invite them to Christ than yeah. to invite them to church. I don't want you to think it's all about church. But for that long-term maturity and growth that we want people to walk in over time, you do need the church uh, for that. So use us. I- even if you're out there and you've, um, 
you've tried to have conversations, maybe it's gotten awkward, and you and your one are kind of at a stalemate, use that trump card of Easter. That's why we put this at Easter. Use that, hey, would you just go sit with me on Easter Sunday at my church? I'd love to have you, um, and I'll pick you up, I'll meet you outside, I'll walk you in through the lobby, you know, red carpet treatment, ladies and gentlemen, red carpet. So, um, and then tell them, hey, we got stuff for your kids, we got stuff for students, you know, we got Sunday school, you can come to that if you want to, you know, tell them everything. Send them the link to our website, show them a few videos, tell them about the podcast, let them know what they're getting into, but um, use that invitation for Easter as the as the very last thing. If all else fails, invite them on Easter Sunday, and that's why we have that as the final date, because people will give you Easter. Yeah, and as you begin to think about this, just pray about it. Pray that God will show you the right person to invite. Um, pray that he'll bring someone into your life that, that you feel comfortable doing all this with, you know, and inviting them to church and all that. Yep. Show, show me, Lord, who who's in my life already that I've overlooked, and give me new people that I've that I don't have now, you know, and he'll do it. And you the know? confidence to go and talk to them about this. Yeah. yeah. So whole thing is prayer. So who's your one as we close? Three things. Pray for your one. First of all, pick your one, but then pray for your one regularly, every at least every other day, every day, if you can. And um, number two is invite them, or excuse me, number two is in, in get into conversations with them, gospel conversations, for sure. Number three is uh, invite them to church, and if all else fails, Easter Sunday. I'd love for everybody. Wouldn't it be cool if we could got all of our ones in the room on Easter Sunday? It'd be like 500 people. We would double, our, awesome. we would double our church in that, and we would get to see who you have been sharing and investing in. Mm. Uh, so I'd love to see all that. Even if just half of our church did it, it would blow our minds to see all Absolutely. that at once. So anyway, who's your one challenge? Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's do it together. And uh, between now and Easter, you're going to hear a lot of it. Some of you are going to keep keep this up after Easter, and that'd be great. But as far as a church-wide intentional emphasis, it's between now and Easter. So get out there, get to work, and that's it. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we'll uh, see you at Kirby Woods this Sunday. If you don't have a gospel-preaching, Bible-preaching church you're part of, please come to Kirby Woods Baptist Church in the Mid-South area, Memphis, Tennessee. Isaac, cue the jingle.